Thanks for tuning in to the Link Church podcast. Link Church is located in Charlotte, North Carolina, and is committed to linking people to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. We are kicking off a brand new series today entitled Brighter. Yeah, simple but powerful. It's entitled Brighter. And I believe that God wants to do something brighter in your life during this season that, you know, sometimes we get cool with being bright, but God wants to make it brighter. Yeah. And, um, and I'm excited about (coughs) this series and I'm happy, um, for what God is about to do. Do you guys really love the word of God? I hope you do. Um, because we want to raise a church here that loves the word of God um, because that's how we are strengthened. That's how we are blessed. That's how the promises of God are released in our lives. And so I'm excited about the word and I really love the word of God. We're going to be in Mark chapter eight today. I got my tea, y'all. And I got my cough drops. I got my water. I'm fully stocked today (laughs) to get through this thing, but I can get it, get through it with Jesus. So um, let's go to verse 22. We're going to read verses 22 through and including verse 26 out of the New King James Version. I'll read it in your hearing. Then he, Jesus, came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So Jesus, he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town, out of Bethsaida. And when he had spit on his eyes, spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And the blind man looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up, and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then Jesus sent him away to his house, saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Today I like to speak from the subject, it's a process. It's a process. How many people today are in a process? Yeah, it's, it's a process. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you today for the entrance of your word brings life. It brings light. Do a miracle today. Speak to our hearts. We thank you for victory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. It's a process. I don't know about you, But my life right now is in a process. (laughs) I guess that's the best way to explain it, Michelle. That's the best way to explain it is that my life is in a process because sometimes things that happen to us are so inexplicable that the only thing we could say is it's it's a process. Uh, God is still working things out. And in this text today, we find ourselves in the book of Mark, chapter 8. This miracle by Jesus is a unique miracle because it is only recorded right here in the book of Mark. 
This miracle is not found in John. It's not found in Matthew. It's not found in uh, Luke. It's only recorded in Mark. Why? You know, when you read the word, you got to ask the text questions. Why is this miracle only recorded here in the gospel of Mark? Well, if you know anything about the gospel of Mark, you know that John Mark is the author. But John Mark was not a disciple of Jesus. John Mark came along and he was a helper to Paul. He was a helper to Barnabas. And we know the encounter in the book of Acts where Paul asked John to go away. Paul did not want John Mark to go with him and Barnabas. So Paul and Barnabas separated. John Mark went with uh, Barnabas and Paul went with Silas. So we know John Mark was not an eyewitness to Jesus Christ. So how is he able to articulate and rather pen these words in such a fashion? Well, if you, know, if you read the history of the accounts and what happened, you know that John Mark later connected with Peter. And Peter doesn't have a gospel, but Peter, he has an epistle, he doesn't have a gospel. He was an eyewitness to the miracles and to the ministry of Jesus. So we deduce and we conclude that John Mark is the penman. He is the writer of Peter's articulations, of, of Peter really verbalizing to John Mark the things that happened. Most scholars believe that Mark is the oldest gospel. It's the first gospel written, even though it's the second gospel in our text and in our Bible chronologically. So if we put all those puzzle pieces together, why is this miracle only recorded in Mark? Well, who was Peter? Peter was a disciple of Jesus. Where was Peter from? Peter was from Galilee. And in our text, the Bible says that this blind man was in the town of Bethsaida. Bethsaida is a town within the region of Galilee. So it makes sense that Peter being a Galilean is remembering this miracle and telling it to Mark. This is a unique miracle, and I want you guys to see it today as a unique miracle of Jesus because you have this blind man that is led by Jesus out of the town. This is critical. This is unique. This is special because this blind man has this illness. He doesn't have his sight. He has this infirmity. And they bring him to Jesus because he wants to get healed. But yet Jesus doesn't heal him right there. He leads him out of the town. So, so, so if you do your research, it's good to know why this is happening. Why is Jesus not healing the man right where he is? Why is he leading him out of the public domain into a private world in order to heal him? Because the gospel of Mark can be divided into three categories. Are y'all with me today? Put on your Bible scholar hat today. Um, um, the gospel of Mark 
can be divided into three parts. You have the public ministry of Jesus first. Then you have the private ministry of Jesus. And then you have the passionate ministry of Jesus. So this unique miracle is actually, y'all, it's actually the transition from Jesus' public ministry to now he's going into his private ministry with his disciples. Because this miracle is not for the public. This miracle is for his disciples. It's not for the public. If you read the preceding verses of Mark chapter 8, you'll see that um, Jesus has just, he has just performed a great miracle where he fed over 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. That was a public miracle. But now Jesus is leading this man out of the public domain into the private world. You have this transition from public to private. Jesus is no longer trying to do the public thing with public fanfare, but he wants to minister to his disciples individually, and he brings this miracle to them intimately in a private arena. That makes me pause, Osby, because God doesn't always want to do things for you in the public eye. There are certain things that God wants to do with you and in you privately. But, you know, that's tough for us these days because in this culture, we don't know the difference between public and private. Yeah, yeah, y'all. We don't know the difference anymore. The lines are blurred. There is no privacy anymore. You can walk down the street and you can be captured on somebody's cell phone. Everything is public today. There is no more privacy. You can slip up and somebody's got you. Yeah, yeah, somebody in here today can be secretly taping me. And then, Pastor Mark, it's all over social media. Gotcha. You got the gotcha cats out today because there's no difference between public and private. How I know that is because I'm on social media. And the, and the people today, everything is public. Come on, y'all. We, we don't have any private moments anymore. We tell all of our business. I told, I, I, we tell people when we got up, what time we got up. We tell people we got up and then we decided to brush our teeth. But before we decided to brush our teeth, we made a pit stop at the toilet. Yeah, we, we get graphic with it. We start putting all type of business out there, and we were on the toilet, and we start giving all these details. Have you ever scrolled through social media, and people just give you too much information? Yeah, it's just like, I don't need to see all that. I don't need to hear all that, how you were on the toilet, what you were doing on the toilet, what kind of business came out of you on the toilet, and y'all looking at me crazy like, Pastor, that's too much. Well, that's not too much. Because you get it every day on your phone and people start showing you all type of stuff and, and, and people start, you know, revealing too much and showing too much. And, and, you know, people got all different type of sides to themselves these days. You know, you got your church side. 
and I'm a pastor, so I see your church side, but I don't need to see your other side on social media either. That's, that's just too much. It's, it's just too much. And I'm glad I ain't got people in my church doing all that. It's just too much. You go on social media. It's like I just don't need to see all of that because we don't know the difference anymore between public and private. There are just certain things you got to leave at home. Like, like they're just private things. There's certain sides of you I don't need to see. Like there's certain sides, I, I, you know, there's certain sides of me you don't want to see. <laughs> uh, you know, there's, there's certain people that live within me that you don't want to see. I, I got to, you, you get past the mark all the time, but you don't ever get past the Marcus. Yeah. Because Pastor Marcus is kind of ratchet, y'all. Pastor Marcus is kind of ratchet. And I leave Pastor Marcus at home because Pastor Marcus wants to do ratchet stuff. He wants to post ratchet stuff. Pastor Marcus is petty, Osby. He is petty. He, he, his clap back is ready. Pastor Marcus, you got to put him in a closet and you got to leave him there. Pastor Marcus don't care. He'll show you everything. Pastor Marcus will, will go to links and, and Pastor Marcus is the one you don't want to see. You only want to get Pastor Mark. And, and y'all looking at me like, um, Pastor, mm, you got you got a Pastor Marcus, you got a Pastor, well, <clears throat> You got somebody else living in you, too. And the issue today is that in our culture, we don't know the difference between public and private. So you often let that other side out when you shouldn't. I grew up in an era where my parents would say, what happens in this house? Oh, man. But this generation, they ain't, they ain't catch that one. And Jesus is saying, through leading this man out of the public domain into the private world, that there are certain things that I need to do through you that is nobody else's business. That this does not require a public fanfare. But if you want to get what you need from God, then you have got to be willing to come out of public view and get processed in a private world. And we don't ever want to go through the process in the private domain, but what God wants to do in you must be done in private. Yeah, this thing that God wants to do has to be done in private. It's not a public thing. It's not about your notoriety. It's not about how many people clap you. It's not about how many friends you get. It's not about how many people like you. This is about what God wants to do on the inside of you. And this is a private thing. We often want to stay in the public 
public world and be around people with the crowd and see the public ministry of Jesus when he feeds the 5,000. But we don't want to go into the privacy of his power because there is power in God's privacy. Yeah, there is power in the private prayer time that you have with God. And you will never get to the full purpose that God wants to do in your life if you can't have private moments with him. And in verse 23, if you can put it up on the screen, verse 23, <clears throat> Jesus takes this blind man by the hand. And he leads him out of the town, takes him by the hand, and leads him out of the town. This is good, y'all. A blind man, oh say. He takes him by the hand and leads him out of town. Because the blessing that this man needs, the healing that he needs, he can't do it in Bethsaida. <laughs> There, there are certain breakthroughs you can't get in your current environment. Yeah, there are certain things that you need from God that will not happen until you are willing to move from where it is familiar to you to the unfamiliar. And he takes this man by the hand, a blind man, and leads him out of town. One thing you know about blind people is that they survive through familiarity. Oh, y'all ain't with me today. They survive through familiarity. That's how they live their life. They know exactly how many steps it is from the bed to the kitchen. They know exactly how many steps it is from the kitchen to the toilet. They know exactly where the things are in their house because they live in a familiar environment. Osei told me this morning that his toe is giving him pain because he hit it on the side of the bed. How many times have you hit your toe on the side of the bed? Well, I'm telling you that it probably would have been better if Osei was blind in that moment because he would have known exactly where the bed was because blind people live in familiar environments and Jesus is taking this man out of his place of familiarity and saying, are you willing to follow me to a place that you don't know? Yeah. And the question to you today is, can you follow Jesus? But not only can you follow Jesus, but can you follow him blind? Can you follow him blind? Because Jesus is taking some of you by the hand. And instead of opening your eyes first, he's asking you to follow him first. And you can't even see where you're going. You're, you're, you're blind and, and you're no longer in your place of familiarity. 
and he's asking you to follow him blind. You can't see where, where he's going to open the door. You, you can't see how he's going to give you a new job. You can't, you can't see how he's going to give you a promotion. You, you can't see when he's going to heal you. you. You can't see when he's going to give you what you prayed for. And he's asking you to follow him blindly. Huh? When, when you followed God blindly, then he doesn't tell you where you're going to turn. Hallelujah. He doesn't tell you how many steps it's going to be to your breakthrough. He's just saying, follow me and trust me. There's somebody in here today that just needs to trust God. You expected God to open your eyes in the beginning. But instead of opening your eyes in the beginning, he's waiting and he's wondering, will you follow him when you can't see it? Will you follow him when you don't know where it's coming from? Will you follow him when you don't know how it's going to work out? Will you follow him when you just got to trust him? Will you follow him when you feel depressed? Will you follow him when you feel down? Will you follow him knowing that he has the breakthrough? He has the power that you need. I don't know about you, but I'm willing to follow God as long as it takes for me to get what I need. Is there anybody in the auditorium today that is willing to follow God as long as it takes? It may not be right right now, but you're willing to follow God as long as it takes. God, where you lead me, I will follow and when you're walking with God blind you don't know where you're going but you know that you're following a God that sees it all he knows the potholes he knows the obstacles and if you can just trust God enough Oh, somebody in here, I feel the anointing of God pulling on somebody today. You got to trust God more. Yeah, you got to trust God more in this moment because this blind man does not shake off the hand of Jesus and say, Jesus, I demand you to heal me right here. Oh, some of y'all. Some of you guys, you shake off the hand of Jesus and you say, no, God, I need it right now. And, and you say, if I don't get it right now, then, 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 then I don't want it. And you're so demanding. You're so untrustworthy. You can't even trust God a few steps. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can't trust him a few steps because if he doesn't do it now, then you can't walk with him. Hallelujah. But how many know it's a process? Yes. That what you're going through, where God is trying to take you, is a process. And this is the only miracle in the Bible that Jesus performs where Jesus does not do it immediately. Oh, y'all got to see the uniqueness of this miracle. 
most of the time, Jesus would approach the person in need and he would say, your sins be forgiven. He he went up to Jairus's daughter. He took her by the hand and he said, daughter, arise. And she got out immediately. The woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment. Immediately, she was made whole. Jesus is so powerful that even the centurion servant, he did not even have to go to where the centurion servant who was sick was. He just spoke the word, and the centurion servant was healed. When Jesus was walking by the pool of Bethesda, there was a man that was infirm for 38 years. And he told the man, rise, take up your bed and walk. But in this text, we see none of that. We see a God that just takes somebody by the hand. Now, in in the text, he does not even tell the man, to follow him. He just takes him by the hand. Has God ever just taken you by the hand? He didn't even give you a heads up. Oh, y'all ain't with me today. It's just Mark out here in a, on an island by himself that, that it's never happened to you where God has just snatched you up changed your life, caused you to lose a job, shifted your finances, shifted your family. All of a sudden, he did not give you a chance to prepare, but he just asks you through the holding of your hand to follow him. And you got to do it blind. I find this text to be most powerful because this man is following Jesus blind. And they get to the outside or the outskirts of the town. And Jesus does something, y'all. He does something here where he's now ready to heal this blind man. So the Bible says, I believe in verse 23, put it up because they probably won't believe me. Um, verse 23, the Bible says when he, when he, after Jesus led him out of the town, he spit on his eyes. Okay. <laughs> y'all, y'all, y'all ain't being real today. He spit on his eye. I'm talking about <laughs> on his eye. Jesus did something like this only one time before. He, 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 in John chapter 9, there is a man that is also blind. He spits on the ground, makes mud, puts it on his eyes and says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. But in this case, Jesus doesn't spit in the ground. He spits directly in his eye. And I don't know about y'all, but if you ever spit in my eye, you won't get past the mark. You'll get past the Marcus. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You'll, 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 you'll get past the Marcus. Uh, Pastor Marcus will come out of the closet. I got him in at home, and he'll drive down here. And before you leave, you'll see Pastor Marcus rise up <laughs> because he's that ratchet. Because I don't know about you, but it, it, spit in my eye. 
is one of the lowest things you can do. I mean, this man is blind, which means that all of his other senses are heightened. His ears are better. His sense of smell is better. So can you imagine Jesus spitting on his eye and he can smell the residue of Jesus's fish breath from his eye in his nose? Can you be that blind man who has spit on his eye? What, what are you willing to go through in order to get what God has promised you? Are you willing to go through it? <laughs> Are you willing to go through it? I'm telling y'all that I'm in a process, meaning personally in my ministry, Link Church is in a process. Are, are we willing to go through it? There is no doubt in my mind what God will do at Link Church, but are you willing to go through it? Are you willing to get spit in your eyes for Jesus? <clears throat> Some people, when they get spit in their eye, they turn around before they see the breakthrough because the spit is too terrible for them to take. But this man gets spit in his eye, <coughs> and Jesus touches him. And Jesus does another thing that is unique, Greg. I mean, this story is filled with one-time things that Jesus ever did. He asked this man a question. Oh, I'm telling you, Jesus never does this. He never touches somebody in order to heal them and then stop and ask them a question. The Bible says in verse 23 at the end, Jesus asks him if he saw anything that is a problem for me, that should be a problem for you, because if he's God, why would he have to ask him what the he sees? This is Jesus. That when he heals you, he totally heals you. This is Jesus that when he brings you out, he totally brings you out. Jesus has never done a halfway miracle in his life. When Jesus saves you, he completely saves you. And he stops in the middle and he asks this man a question. What do you see? Oh, now, is Jesus asking this because Jesus is unsure? Can't be. That doesn't line up with the character of God. Is Jesus asking this <clears throat> because he's wondering if this man is really healed? Can't be because he's sovereign, he's omniscient, he knows all things. Why is he asking this man what does he see? There is nothing in the text to let us know exactly, but we can hypothesize that perhaps he is asking this man what he sees because he wants this man to articulate what he sees. And, and this man stands up, or doesn't really stand up, but he says, I see 
men like trees and they are walking. In other words, he sees men who are vertical in orientation, trees that are vertical in orientation, but he can't decipher between them. So his picture is distorted and he sees men like trees walking. And what happens to us is that because we're in a process, we will get touched by God one time. And then when we look and when we articulate what we see, it's often a distorted picture. Oh, it's not clear. What do you do when God touches you and the picture is blurry? Oh, what do you do when God saves you from your depression and it's blurry? Oh, what do you do when God heals you from your infirmity, but you still got lasting side effects and it's blurry? Well, what happens is that the devil is often lurking in areas where he can distort what you see. He wants to distort what you see so that you can't see clearly what God is trying to do. The devil is a deceiver and he is also a distorter of your vision. So God will tell you something. He'll give you a promise and then God will ask you, what do you see? And you will come back with a distorted vision because somewhere along the line, the devil has told you it's not exactly as clear as God has said it. Oh, I'm by myself today, but I'm going to preach this word because some of you are looking and God is asking you, what do you see in your life? What do you see in your marriage? What do you see in your goals? What do you see in your purpose? And it looks blurry. Ha, it looks distorted. You can't see it clearly. You started along a path, but now it's all blurry. And now you can't figure it out. And you're wondering what's happening. And I'm trying to tell you, it's not that God has not touched you. It's just that the devil is trying to distort your vision because he is a distorter. He is a scrambler of the messages that come from heaven. And it's not that God has not said that you would be blessed. It's not that God did not say that your days will be brighter. It's just that the devil is trying to scramble the message. He did it in the Garden of Eden. When Eve had the fruit, he did not come outright, the serpent, and say to Eve that God did not say what he said. But he distorted the words of God. And that's what the devil does. He's not so bold to tell you that God did not say you won't get married. But what he'll do is he'll distort it. You see, the devil is a distorter. He is a scrambler. He blurs our vision. So in society, we don't have any clear lines anymore. Our sexuality is blurred. Hallelujah. 
Our value of ourself is blurred. Our, our racial lines are blurred. Huh. Who we are and what we're supposed to do is blurred. Our political system is, oh my God, is blurred. And God is saying, what do you see? What, what do you see? And here's where a lot of us stop. We, we are afraid to say what we see. We won't tell Jesus that we see men walking like trees. We won't tell Jesus that we feel depressed. We won't tell Jesus that we feel like our marriage is about to break. We won't tell Jesus that we feel undervalued and it's taking too long for us to reach our full potential and purpose. We won't tell Jesus what we see. But if you don't tell Jesus what you see, then he can't touch you again. And how many of us have stopped at one touch of God? And we're walking around in life with one touch of God. But God really wanted to, to touch us again. And this is what Christianity traditionally has done. It says, get saved, have an experience, get a touch. And once we get that first touch, we think that's where we stop. And what happens after you get saved is that life becomes blurry. You were blind in your sin. You were blind in what you used to do. You were blind at the club. You were blind in your drugs. You were blind having sex. But now that God touched you, you came out of it. And now you're upset because it's blurry. Oh, it's quiet because it's good. And, and I have to admit, I, 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 I came to Charlotte, and I started walking this thing out, and they'll say it got blurry. It got blurry. And I said, God, I thought you touched me. I thought, I thought you touched me. I thought I had it all together. I thought I had the plan, the strategy, and it was going to work. And what happens when God touches you and it's blurry? And I believe this unique miracle is in the Bible because Jesus is trying to show us that it's a process. That you were never supposed to stop at one touch. But God was supposed to touch you again. And you have stopped at one touch in your finances. You have stopped at one touch in your business. You have stopped at one touch in your marriage. And you're willing to walk through life blurry. But the Bible says that Jesus touched this man again. And there's somebody in here today that needs God to touch you again. 
and I know you're struggling and, and, and you're wondering why, because you're in this Christian thing and it shouldn't be this way. It's because God has another touch for you. Hallelujah. God, how, how many believe in here that God has another touch for Link Church? <laughs> that, that we got the first touch and, and, it, and it's blurry. I'll admit to you, it's blurry. But I'm ready for things to get brighter. And so this series is to move you from bright to brighter. When you get saved and you start walking out this Christian thing, God gives you a light and he says, no man takes a light, puts it under a bushel. You're, you're a light in this world, but you're not bright enough yet. He needs to make you brighter. There are some things, <clears throat> I'll close with this. There are some things that you will never see in the dark. You can't see it in the dark. You're not nocturnal. You're not nocturnal. You can't see it. And what salvation does is it turns on the light, Greg. It turns on the light. But I've realized walking with God that he wants to not just take the salvation light and keep it there, but he wants to make it brighter. Because I don't know if you've ever been in dim lighting like when we do praise and worship, it's dim in here. It's not totally dark. It's dim. But there are certain things that you can see in dim lighting, but you'll still miss other things. And some of you have been walking through life, and it's dim. <coughs> and the only thing that will make it brighter is another touch from God. And I want to push somebody today to say this place where you are right now, this season of your life, this is not it. It is not everything. You have not arrived, but there is brighter. And you can't stop at blurred vision. Maybe next time I preach this, I'll entitle it Blurred Vision. Because how many of us are walking with blurry vision? But God wants to turn the light on. Everyone stand. <coughs> One thing happens at the end of this text. <clears throat> he tells this man. <clears throat> he says, I'm sending you back home. He says, go back home after he heals this man. But he says, don't go into town and don't tell anybody in town. Wait, wait, wait. Go home. <clears throat> don't go into town and don't tell anybody in town. Well, my house is in town. So, so how, how do I go back home? But don't go into town and don't tell anybody in town. Maybe, perhaps, 
Your home is not where it was, but your home is where God is taking you to. And somebody in here can't go back. You can't go back to that mentality. You can't go back to that sorrow. You can't go back to that depression. You can't go back to that relationship. You can't do your business like you used to do it. You can't do your marriage like you used to do it. You have to find a new home. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. For more information about Link Church, you can visit us on the web at www.linkchurchnc.org.